With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. From a pastiche of top secret, highly secure locations across South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider the podcast always rebuilding for next year. I am your host, Mike Michael Finger, joined by Express <laughs> News sports editor Nicholas Talbot, beat writer Thomas Ringo Orsborne, and Jeffrey the Polarizing McDonald. This is the season wrap-up special edition of the Spurs Insider Podcast where we will talk about everything that went wrong in the 2020-2021 season and what might go right ahead of the San Antonio Spurs. I will start out by asking the panel about the, the, the way it all ended last week in the play-in tournament against the Memphis Grizzlies. Was that the ending you were expecting, and what is your kind of a mental state with the, uh, with, with the state of the local cagers as we enter the offseason. There, there's no shame losing to the 2021 NBA champion Memphis Grizzlies. That's true. That's true. I'm thrown off by the formality of this pod, podcast. What do, you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Full names and I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel very, I feel very, uh, stu- feel stuffy in here. Well, you got to make, you got to make the show before the show. Well, the um, this was a response to critiques that we've had of the Spurs Insider podcast and in that we occasionally can be unprofessional. And I figured that like we're probably not going to change the way we do the podcast. But if we refer to each other by our full names, it will seem more dignified. Does, does that seem to work or not? I think Jeffrey can be just as unprofessional as Jeff. OK, so you know, well, maybe that, maybe uh, that didn't work. I, I thought it was a play off the Mike slash Michael Malone. Well, yes, that, that plays into it too. Mike, 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 Michael Malone expects professionalism from people around him, to, and and he doesn't go by Mike. So I figure, like he's been successful, maybe I should go by Michael. That'll change everything for me. Although I guess they 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 did not do so well uh, to start their playoff run. I don't know. It could go either way, but how is it going for the local cagers? Are are the beginning of this podcast? (laughs) Are the uh, are 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 the Spurs at the beginning or near the beginning of a rough patch that will last years, or have the past couple of years, which have been the worst back to back years in several decades, 
is is that a is that a sign of things to come and things to stay? I think they're doing a good job of building and making progress and um, developing players and slowly piecing together the the foundation. And also, I think there's also the possibility that the record could get worse before it gets better. So I think both things could be true. Yeah, with the Spurs, you have to define bad. I mean, these are the two worst seasons they've had in a long time, but it's still better than a lot of rebuilding projects that other teams have taken on. And I think with the Spurs... There's always going to be a sense because of how they're run and how well well they're run. There's always going to be a sense of it's never going to get as bad as the Philadelphia 76ers when they were, you know, tank when they were completely tanking and winning what eight nine games, ten games, whatever it was, to you know try to turn around that franchise and hit on one of their eighteen centers they drafted, finally getting Joel Embiid. Um, I don't think with the Spurs there's ever going to be that sense of dread that you're going to be that bad i think that's only happened you know a couple times in this franchise's history so and with the pieces they already have with keldon johnson and Derek white they have stuff to build on to ensure it's not going to be that bad um it might get worse than it was this season but it will never be that bad i don't think yeah there's you know, they're a star away from being, I guess, the Grizzlies. I mean, the Grizzlies, are they that much different from the Grizzlies if you take John Morant off the Grizzlies uh, and put them on the Spurs? Would they would they be the number eight seed, the number seven seed? Still, they'd be in the bottom of the pack. So, you know, they're they're plugging away and it's, yeah, it's, it's not as bad as it could be. But, uh, you know, they're going to have to have some luck to, to find their John Morant, I guess. Yeah, that that star away is is a is a pretty big hill to climb, though. Yeah, like you either yeah. have to luck into it, yes. or 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 I don't know what. Um, I mean, they could definitely be the Utah Jazz and miss the miss the playoffs for for five six seasons in a row, and that's what the Jazz did. You know, the, the Jazz lost to the were on the end were like on the end of one era. If you said if you want to say the Jazz had had eras, uh, when they lost to the Spurs in the first round of the 2012 playoffs. And then they didn't get back to the playoffs again for for five years. And then it was from there, it was a slow build into having the best record in the league. And, you know, I think they're probably going to, you know, here they are with the best record in the league. And they're still not a sure thing. I think they're probably going to advance past the first round, even though they lost game one. But it's still not a sure thing. So as I've been trying to tell people, this is a multi-year process. And it's near, it's, I think it's closer to the beginning of the rebuilding process than it is towards the finished product so people like fans need to buckle up because this isn't where you just wake up tomorrow and the spurs are winning 50 games again it's it's a really slow process and getting that star is kind of going to be the uh the rub of of all of it and and um how that happens i have i have no idea right now the whole thing you said about no sure thing i think is the key part to all this um and so many teams over the, the course of, you know, the past, the, really the whole history of the NBA have faced situations like the Spurs face now. And they, there have been a plethora of different ways to go about it. I mean, the, the, and, and there's, there's some validity to the idea that, okay, some teams want to bottom out and, and just tear it down and start over from there. There's some validity to trying to make the most of what you got and not losing on purpose. And, you know, th- there's tanking is, is, is more disincentivized now than it ever has been in the league. Um, 
a success story, if you want to call it that, for the tanking approach is the Philadelphia 76ers, who are now atop the Eastern Conference. But as we've mentioned on this podcast before many times in the newspaper, that's subjecting to your fans to a lot of misery for a long time for no sure thing at the end of it. You know, eight, eight years into this process, the Sixers still have not, not gotten past the second round of the playoffs. Uh, I mean, let, let alone championships. Um, they might get past it this time, but is that something that you as a Spurs fan, if you're out there, do you want to sign up for that much misery for a no sure thing at the end? Um, these are, like I said, valid questions, legitimate questions that everyone over there at Spurs Lane, over there in Spurs headquarters are pondering these days. I mean, where, where is the approach next? And I think the most likely way they're going to do this is to look at the guys you guys mentioned. Um, DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker, go even younger to uh, Devin Vassell, Luka Shamanich. Um, none of those guys probably are going to be the next superstar, and you probably need one to take that next step. But you also don't want to just cast these guys aside and say, this franchise is nothing and needs to get worse. I think you try to make the most of all those kind of draft success stories that you've hit on so far and hope that eventually you get lucky, as Jeff said. And when that luck happens, I'm not sure, but I think that's kind of the state of the rebuild right now. Well, if you when you're talking about adding a star, and we know without mentioning names, the way you do that is if you're a small market team that's not going to sign whatever that summer's LeBron James or Anthony Davis is, you're either going to do it through the draft or you're going to do it through trades. And so from that standpoint, all those guys you mentioned, the Keldon Johnsons, Lonnie Walkers, DeJounte Murrays, Derek Whites, those guys can also be viewed as assets. Maybe not to trade straight up for a superstar, but you you never know what ha- what's going to happen in the, in the NBA. You're never going to know um, the next the next you know to to drop a, a bad name around here, but the next Kawhi that gets fed up with wherever he's at and and just wants out. And and if the Spurs can be in the position to to pounce on that a um, with cap flexibility where they don't have to give up a mountain of contracts to get that guy and and be with some some decent young talent um, to make a trade worthwhile, uh, they could be in a position to land that kind of person. So that's one way to, to look at those guys. It's not just – because eventually you have just too many young guys that are all kind of uh, – some of them are kind of overlapping and superfluous and you can't start them all and you might not even be able to play them all. So it's good to look at them as assets for maybe bringing in the, the – maybe bringing in the next superstar here. Either that or you you get lucky in the draft and, and find that guy in the draft, keep him for four years and hope he doesn't uh, decide he'd rather go play in Los Angeles or something. That's that's definitely a way to look at all those young guys. Um, you know, that the, the Kawhi story was pretty rare and that might not happen again. And I'm not sure the Spurs ever get in position to where they can flip these guys into a better player because the better player is the superstar player is so coveted in this league and teams with that superstar are not inclined to give them up. Like the Spurs weren't inclined to give Kawhi up um, until there was a just really, really rare set of circumstances. But I do think 
another factor to consider when you have, and, and I think we'd all agree the Spurs have drafted well over the past six years. I mean, pretty much everybody they've taken in the first round has been, um, they've kind of exceeded their draft position in terms of production. Except one. Except Luca, right? Um, but that's, that's a pretty good percentage. Okay, if you, yeah. if you, if you yeah, do that, and, and I'm trying to take seriously the notion that um, that tanking, that, that bottoming out and going for like winning the lottery, if, that, that, that that's an option. That's hard to do when you've drafted so well recently, because by definition, if you've drafted well recently, then those, those players are going to play pretty well. And losing on purpose with those guys kind of defeats mm-hmm. the point, right? Yeah. So, um, and I would add to this, that drafting in the top three, four, or five, or even first overall, yes, that increases your chances um, on a percentage basis of finding that next superstar. But by no means is it um, uh, way more likely to, to find somebody great in that spot than it is where the Spurs are picking now. If you look at who's in the in the playoffs right now, who are the, who are the star players? You got Giannis, you got Kawhi, you got um, Devin Booker, you got Donovan Mitchell hasn't played yet for the Jazz, but he's way up there. A lot of guys who were drafted in that ten to fifteen area. Um, it can happen the next time for the Spurs. Um, a lot of guys who are drafted one to five don't work out. So I, I just think um, while there is some, the Spurs should rule nothing out. While there is some um, idea, some some validity to the idea that um, uh, tanking could be an option. I don't think it's the Spurs option right now. I think you try for marginal improvement, incremental improvement, and hope that hope that you just take that big step at some point. The only teams that make yeah. sense to, to steer into tanking are a team like if, if you're if you're close to being the worst team in the league anyway, team like Oklahoma City yeah. coming yeah. in this year, or you, as soon as Houston had to trade George, uh, James Harden uh, to start the season. I mean, then that made sense to sort of steer into the skid. But when you're on the cusp of a playoff berth every year, it's. Eh. I don't think people realize how hard it is. It's hard to it's hard to win games in the NBA, but it's hard to be as bad as you can possibly be if you have some good players. Like I don't know how else you would. I don't know what the Spurs could have done to lose more games this year. Really, I mean, maybe there are some ways, but I don't. I don't. Even if you had decided at midseason, let's let's just lose every game. I mean, they (laughs) they lost they lost like ten of their last. 12 games or something like they were doing a pretty good job right, of losing right. on their own. So you, they, they right. would have to have been a lot worse to get down there where it, where it would have even mattered. Um, as far as let's say, let, let's say that you went and, and I was, I was pro playing veterans because every NBA teams plays veterans and the, and the youngsters need to play with veterans to learn how to win. So like I, w- I was cool with having DeMar and Rudy and Patty in the lineup. Maybe they could have played a little less, but I was fine with that. But let's just devil's advocate say Pop refused to play any of those guys. And we're just going to go youngsters all season long. <laughs> um, forget DeMar, forget Patty, forget Rudy. They finished 33 and 39. 
Do you think if none of those if none of those guys played and you were and you were going to Devin Vassell more and you were even playing Luca more, um, like I don't think they do much worse than like twenty three or twenty four wins. Like maybe they lose eight nine more games and that might be like Jeff was saying that might be even be a stretch. If they lose if they win if they win nine fewer games and finish twenty four and forty eight, like they're still not in the bottom five. They're still not in the bottom six. Hmm. So, so, so to your point, like there was no realistic way for the Spurs to finish in that spot where they're drafting first or second overall because they drafted so well recently because hmm. DeJounte Murray was going to win you some games. Uh, Lonnie Walker was going to win you some games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is we're kind of harping on the same thing over and over again. But I think they're kind of doing what they need to do and did what they need to do. And I guess the next part of this is um, talking about free agency, talking about moves this summer. You're going to lose at least a couple of those veterans who I just mentioned to free agency, maybe all of them. And Jeff, I guess you can you can handle this since a lot of people seem to be asking you this. Is it a failure if... DeMar DeRozan, for instance, walks away and the Spurs have basically cap space to show for him. I understand that argument for sure, because it, it sounds bad on paper. You lost your best, best player for nothing. Um, and I think in a perfect world, you know, if you could trade him for something really great that you wanted, um, that would be optimal. But if he walks away and all you have to show for it is cap space, that's pretty valuable in the NBA too, especially for a team that's rebuilding. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if DeMar DeRozan signs somewhere else and, and you lose your best player for quote-unquote nothing. No, I don't, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world at all. You have to show me your work whenever you, uh, whenever, whenever you say that the Spurs should have taken a deal for DeMar DeRozan. Tell me what that deal was. Tell me, tell me how that deal would have put them in a better spot there and now. I'm not sure that the offers at any point during DeMar DeRozan's stint with San Antonio in the past three years, I, I, I'm not sure that the offers were ever as attractive as some people might assume they were. Um, so, yeah, I kind, of, I kind of agree with you on that. Um, the other thing I wanted to uh, get into, and, and, and Jeff alluded to this, I, I I think that this is going to take time. I'm not sure that the outlook for the Spurs changes much within the next year or so. And I'm kind of of the of the um, of the inclination that the Spurs actually have time on their side for the first time in a long time. For if if you go back 20 years, the Spurs have always been kind of under some sort of pressure to build for the current, for the upcoming season, whatever was next, mm-hmm. whether they were trying to um, make the most of David Robinson's prime, whether they were competing for titles constantly under Tim Duncan, whether they were trying to make use of Kawhi Leonard at his prime. Um, even when LaMarcus and, and DeMar were here, there was that weird middle period where, uh, well, you can't tear everything down. You kind of have to make the most of what DeMar and LaMarcus are. Now, for the first time, I feel like they can go into this offseason in which they will have a ton of cap space. But I don't think GM Brian Wright or CEO R.C. Buford or 
maybe returning coach, maybe retiring coach Greg Popovich have to feel like they absolutely need to um, add something for this upcoming season. I think they can think more long-term than they have in a long time. I wonder what y'all think of that. I think if the, I think fans are going to go nuts if the Spurs don't sign, sign anybody of consequence this summer, but that might not be the worst thing in the world either. Like it's hard for me to gauge what the Spurs can do. Like, it's kind of like you said earlier, Tell me what the options are, and then I'll tell you if the Spurs can do them or not, but, or should do them or not. But just saying the Spurs yeah. should sign someone this offseason, I don't know. who. Like, it depends on who it is and for how much. So, um, I guess uh, – I'm sorry. Go, Go ahead, ahead. Tom. Tom. Tom is apologizing when he's been trying to talk for the past 20 no, minutes. No, no, And Jeff I, always cuts him off. And no, Tom said, no. And Tom it's, says he's sorry. Like, that's how great of a guy he is. It's usually the opposite. I step on Jeff a lot. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I, I was saying that, you know, the pressure, I know what you're saying and there's, there's truth in that, but I think also, like Jeff said, the, the fans and the sponsors and just, just that constant pressure to make money in this market and coming off this, these two COVID seasons, I mean, I think there is a sense of pressure to you know, get some sizzle going if if that's the correct word, or just get get something going to get people excited and keep the sponsorship dollars rolling in and so forth. Well, I will say that if that's if they if sizzle is what is directing the plan yeah. for this offseason, I think that's a mistake. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, I, and I agree a hundred percent. But but some some owners. You just never know what those guys are thinking. You know, they, they, uh, you know, they well, may be uh, panicking a little bit with with the uh, what what they've gone through the last two years. Well, let me put it this way: like it's it's one thing if they have an opportunity to go sign LeBron James or right, Steph right. Curry or whatever, but the, there's there's nothing that they can do. Their panic move now, if they're trying to just make. If they want to go all in on this next season, which I don't think they will, no, no, no. Uh, but but there, there's nothing they could do that was that would even get the fans' attention. I don't think. Yeah. I, um. There there's there's no free agent out there that I think is going to affect the gate that much. And I think if you if there, there there's enough positivity on the current roster. There's enough promise on the current roster that if you bring it all back, if you roll with a healthy Derek White and DeJounte Murray and Lonnie Walker and Kelvin Johnson and Yaka Pertle and Devin Vassell. Like, I don't, I don't think that makes the gate or the sponsorships or the fan attention that much worse than if you go out and sign free agent X, Y, Z, because I don't think free agent X, Y, Z is going to be that big of a name. Yeah. We, go ahead. I, I, I guess it's not it's not so much like they have to do it this year, but you know, as when the years mount, I think you get a little bit more nervous in this market about you know years of not making the playoffs because they've wanted a, a, a historically they've won at a higher rate than every other single team in the NBA, <laughs> they have, and but, and so they're not used to dealing with that. I mean, you. The Lakers, the Celtics, the Knicks. I can't believe I mentioned the Knicks in there. Um, you know, name your team. The Spurs have won more consistently than all of them. 
Right. And, and, and to your point, I guess that does feed into the idea that in this smaller market, financial wise, you know, TV household wise, yes. there, there's a smaller margin of error. Yes. But if, I mean, things have been so good for so long here that, I mean, if, if, if one small little rebuilding stretch kills it all, then I, I, I don't know. That, that's, I don't know how to process that. And it also, if, if, if that's a factor, it also just completely flies in the face of people who are saying they should do a, a Sixers process. Because if the, if, if the Spurs as a franchise can't weather two, three, four years of winning 30 and 40 games, they'd never be able to survive eight years of what the Sixers did. And that's exactly right. If they were to, if they were to bottom out and you have several years of, of uh, non-playoff seasons and you know, a few wins and you know, that, that would cripple, that would be crippling, I think, in this market. Um, yeah. the, the San San Antonio, the Spurs have proven, and it, there's not a lot of sample sizes, but the the eras when they when they were struggling, the fans disappeared. Yeah. And uh, you know that you look at it. You know, Gervin came along, David Robinson came along, Tim Duncan came along. There was always someone that came along to keep things going in this really precarious market. Right. I will say, and Tom, you have the most. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to put this as politely as I can while I call you old. Um, you have the most perspective on the history of this franchise than anyone on this podcast. But do you think there's something to the idea that the era of the five titles um, probably made things way more secure than they were in previous fallow periods, where they there's this. Uh, I, 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 the, the, the fan base is more embedded, ingrained, um, going to games is a bigger tradition now than it might've been in the mid eighties or whatever, before David showed up. Is, I, is there something I, to that? I, I think so. Yes. But when, when does it start to run out? I mean, they, yeah. they can't, they can't do what the Cowboys have done, you know, decades right. after a Super Bowl. they can't, you know, they can't get that excitement and without winning on the court, winning, you know, winning's huge in this market. I know it's huge in every market, but I think there's a lot of fair weather fans here. Uh, you know, I think they'll, uh, they, they won't show up. I think sponsorships will be hard to come by. I just, I'm just saying you can't go very long with it being like this, in my opinion. Well, if you want, if you want sponsor, if you're talking sponsorships, I think this offseason should be directed by HEB and who will make the make the best commercials, because they're about to lose <laughs> all those guys. Maybe like there's going to be a whole new crop yeah, of HEB yeah. commercial stars. I don't know if you guys noticed it. Probably you did. It took me a couple of it took me a little while to notice that at the end of, at the end of this year they were just playing one HEB commercial. The, did you notice mm-hmm. that just over and over the burned food, yeah. coyote, the coyote food. Yeah, because it yeah. was the only one that didn't have LaMarcus in it. Ah, yes. That That's was the right. only one left they could play. And now you're talking about DeMar, Rudy, Patty. Like, one of those guys is going to be gone. So, at least, maybe all of them. Like, who's the HEB stars now? There's going to be a whole new crop of those Kelvin Johnson. They're going to be great. Kelvin's going to be who, all you, of you them, and who, they're going to no, be great. You know, who's gonna be, you know who I think is going to be the star of those? I mean, I'm just – I think Derek White is going to be the low-key star of those. If you were ever to he'll be the straight. He'll be the straight man. Yeah, I think he'll but, be hilarious. 
maybe they can re-sign Boban and he can do them all. That'd be the most entertaining thing you could do. I don't think yeah. they could afford Boban the actor anymore. That's true. That yeah. guy commands like a million dollars a picture. HEB should pay Boban's salary for the Spurs just for him to do those ads. Yeah. Boban's in like but Hollywood really, uh, films now. Yeah. <laughs> I think Kel- I think Kelton's going to be a star. DeJounte can be low-key funny. Um, Lonnie will be good. I think there's a, a if we if we want to go up B, there's a there's a up and coming nice class <laughs> of future H E B stars. We're, that's the silver lining we're going for is the H E B commercial <laughs> are still yeah. gonna be still be gonna be good. Okay. Yeah. Boy, it's but I mean to 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 Tom's point, um, you know, the bills have to be paid. Um and you know, that's true not only of professional basketball, but also high quality journalism like you find on this podcast and in the Express News. <laughs> Segway alert. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And, and so, uh, you know, if, if you are in the market for high quality journalism about your community, about the things that interest you and really who isn't, I think you should check out expressnews.com. Sign up for the Spurs Nation newsletter. We'll keep you up to date all off season long. It, it's a great deal. We, we, we got to pay our bills. You got to pay your bills. And, you know, high quality journalism helps keep people, the people in power accountable. So everything runs better. I just think it's a, it's a great thing to go to expressnews.com. Hey, and also keep rating our, and, and, and evaluating our podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate the reviews. We appreciate the positive feedback. We even appreciate the negative feedback, although why would there be any of that? Um, do we think, as we're, as we're winding down, we have not tackled the perhaps most pressing question associated with this offseason, the question that I'm not sure we will have answered until maybe August, but have we seen the last of San Antonio Spurs head coach Greg Popovich? Um, I would say the odds seem stronger this off season than any other off season since, I mean, since, since I've been around, which I guess is, I mean, in a, in a way is, is just logical. I mean, it's, he's certainly every year he's closer to the end. I, you know, I think we get a little, um, numb to it a little bit because they've been asking pop about his future for seven, eight years now. I remember sitting on like the, you know, watching him on the podium at those finals in 2013, 2014. People ask him if he's going to come back for another year. So I think after seven or eight years of him coming back, people just assume he's coming back. But I think this this year this year's maybe a little different, and we're probably it's it's not it's certainly not going to shock me if we've seen the last of Pop uh, prowling the Spurs sidelines and uh, talking to us on Zoom. Oh, I think we've seen the last of Zoom. Thankfully, for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Um, I don't know. He was very nice to us on Zoom. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss going back on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think he's coming back. I I just think he. I don't know. I just think this is so important to him. Just everything, everything about it. He just loves it, and it's important to him. And he's also got a a soapbox to say some other things that are important to him. And not that that's the overriding factor, but I just I think the whole ball of wax. He just loves it and. He's going to go until my guess would be, you know, God forbid some kind of health issue comes up or just signals to him that, you know, it's time to just step away and relax and 
you know, watch his health. But I, I think he's still going strong. It's going to be a long year for him if he does come back. Um, the mm-hmm. the Olympics will take up a lot of the time um, over the next couple of months. They do not conclude if they happen, which we can't take for granted yet. But if, if the Olympics do happen, they stretch into mid-August and then there's a quick turnaround back to the season. Um, back to a season in which the Spurs probably will not be contenders again. Um, and and Pop will face a lot of the, the frustration. I, I, th- I think he got a lot out of this season. Um, he tried to look at the bright side at the end of it. He mm-hmm. said he was as proud as he has been of any team um, in terms of, of staying with it and, and fighting back. Maybe he can keep finding the uh, the positives there, but he's signing up for probably 30, 40, 50 more losses next year if he does come back. Um, So, I mean, I I, I would not be surprised either way. Um, You know, I I think I wrote something for the paper about how if that was the last time we saw him, not because – I think that it's a slam dunk that that was the last time we saw him coaching the Spurs, just because I think we have to acknowledge that possibility. And like, like Jeff said earlier, that possibility um, seems greater now than it ever has before. Um, If for no other reason than I didn't think he was leaving last year, I I never have in no previous season that I think that he was leaving this year. I, I, I think that it's, it's, it's a possibility at least. So we will see where that goes. Go ahead. I didn't think he was leaving last year, um, but there was a part of me that was a little surprised. He came back to sign up for the um, year of COVID restricted travel. And I think the Olympics getting canceled or postponed last year probably played into it. He didn't have that to sort of cap things off with. And then I I really do think he didn't want, you know, he, he, as, as, as much as it wasn't very appealing for him to travel in this, in this COVID era, I don't think he wanted the, the team to go through that without him. Like, I think he wanted to be there for the guys. So I think that kind of drew him back um, kind of into the foxhole with those guys for this COVID season. And now that's, uh, now that's completed, now that knock on wood, the Olympics is completed, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like I did last, you know, last offseason where it, it really does seem like, there's a strong possibility that that we have a new coach for the San Antonio Spurs in uh, in in October, which would be weird. It'd be weird. It would be. In many ways, of the of the older guys, um, not older than Pop, obviously, but the older guys on the on the roster, who would you who, who would you consider the most likely to return? The guys who are going to be free agents. Patty Mills. Boy, that's a good question. I'm, I'm going to go with Patty with that one. Uh, I think DeMar could probably catch on with a championship contender if they have cap room. Someone, obviously, the Knicks, the Heat, both have a little bit more of room. Uh, although the teams have room, of course, the Spurs have a ton of room. Um, they can pay him the most, but if he wants to win a championship with at this stage, which probably applies to all three of them, Rudy, Patty, and DeMar, the best option for them is probably to move on. And they they all three are good enough and and should command enough salary that they should have options to catch on with a team that could probably contend for a title. Whereas, as we've discussed on this entire podcast, the Spurs are not going to be there. Um, so I think I think 
there's a good likelihood that all three move on as they try to chase a title. Um, I just think that's the most logical way to go. All three of them would probably be gone. But I think if anyone comes back because of the Spurs culture and what he means to the team and what he means to that culture, I think the most likely it would be for Patty to return. Does he have to take a pay cut to do I that? I think Patty has to take yeah. a pay cut no matter he, where he, he goes. obviously will. So that's, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the two sides of the Patty coin are he is more valuable in San Antonio than he is anywhere else. Like no one else is going mm-hmm. to, especially like the way he kind of faded at the end of the year. I can't see a lot of teams lining up to make him one of their top priorities in the offseason. Um, whereas, the, you know, he's that last link to the titles, um, the institutional knowledge. But the for the Spurs, so, so that would lead one to believe that the Spurs – would covet him more than others. The flip side of that is he plays a position where the Spurs don't need him as much. Um, the, all their all their youth is in the backcourt. Like they, the, I'm not sure they need a whole bunch of Patty minutes next year. Um, I still think Rudy Gay's a great fit for whatever the Spurs are next year. I know that he's not the most popular in the fan base. But in terms of a guy coming off your bench, being your eighth or ninth man, being a guy who can play the three, four, um, and give you that veteran kind of presence, um, there can be a spot for him. It's a matter of does he want to come back. He probably wants to win just like DeMar wants to win. Um, Both of those guys are from places where their team's closer to where they're from. So... um, I don't know. Jeff, Jeff has been putting off answering this question since I asked it while we've been talking. I think my most likely guy, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Rudy, is Nick said Patty. Jeff, who do you think? I mean, I was torn between Patty and Rudy, and both of you guys kind of made my arguments for both of those guys as to why they might be the one to come back. But what I, what I would say is whichever, whatever, uh, whatever happens, like – the Spurs need some 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 vet veteran presence on this roster. I've never subscribed to the idea that everybody twenty five everybody over the age of twenty five got to go and yeah. just play the like you. Got, I I just you look around the league and you see so many teams that not so many teams, but occasionally there'll be a team that'll try to do that, um, where it's just like rookies and second years and third year players, and that it just doesn't seem to work out all that often. You just need guy. You need at least one or two guys around that have been through the wars and know how to play. And so I would, I would, I would make a push to bring back at least one of those guys. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. let, I wouldn't let it just become completely the kid show. So let's well, let's talk about Demar. Let's talk about Demar. What is is yeah. it a is yeah. it a is it a is it bad is it a bad not bad. Um, what what is the what is the what is the uh, outcome if they just say screw it? Demar Derozan is the best free agent we can sign this offseason. We're going to resign Demar. Is that good, bad, indifferent? What do you guys think? His his, his parting words certainly sounded to me. If I was going to say, you know, is it was it a farewell speech or was it just? Looking back on what the Spurs did for him, I, I think it sounded. My knee-jerk re- reaction was it sounded a little bit like a farewell speech. Um, I kind of, in his defense, I kind of tricked him into that. Oh, like, did you? Okay, <laughs> I was, I was I'm in just, Zoom room number two. So I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying hypothetically, 
I'm, I'm responsible for that. I'm just saying hypothetically, if the if Demar wants to come back and the Spurs re-sign him, are are are, uh, are we should Spurs fans be happy with that? Upset at that? Does it derail any kind of development process? Isn't it more? I, I guess it's it's what what he wants. Does he want to be the second or third option on yeah, a contender? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking hypotheticals. No. Like we've okay. Yeah, just hypothetically, if he wants to come back, Spurs <laughs> the Spurs resign him. Where does that where does that leave the the rebuilding process? First of all, to clarify what Tom was talking about, uh, when he was talking about the Spurs in the past tense, I found it interesting, too. Um, that was when I said something about uh, – it was the last question of the Zoom when I asked him uh, if the Spurs grew on him over the three years more than he thought they would. And so that led him down uh, the kind of wistful I see. Uh, retrospective uh, road there. Um, I do think – I'm avoiding Jeff's question here. But um, I, I, I do think she was on the other foot now. Yeah. The um, it's it's less likely to me to mark coming back as much as selfishly as someone who quotes NBA players and interviews them for a living. And DeMar's one of the best. Selfishly, I'd love to have him back just to be able to interview him for another year. But um, it just. The more I think about it, the more he's the guy who, from his point of view, probably wants to be on a team that wins more because the criticism against him his whole career is he's never been on that team that's won it all and he's, and he's choked in the clutch. As unfair as that's been, like if he gets on a good team, he can maybe overcome that. He's probably not going to overcome it with a 9-10, 8-seed Spurs team. Um and then he's also the guy that when these other teams with cap space are looking for a way to fill it this offseason and they're under a little more pressure to use it than even the Spurs are, like there's going to be a fit that comes together at some point where it's like Knicks or Heat or whoever. I mean, name your team. We've got money left. There's this guy, DeMar DeRozan, who still sort of looks like a star. Um I just think that's the way it's going to end up. And I'm not celebrating that. Um, and I, I just think that's the way it's going to end up. Now to answer Jeff's question finally about whether people who follow the Spurs should be okay with that. I, it's kind of shrug emoji. <laughs> like there's, you, if he comes back, you could see a way where that could be a good thing for the team. But I think if he walks away, like that's not the worst thing either because of where this franchise and it's in its rebuilding effort. There's a small, there's a small, there's a small pocket of people out there that think if the Spurs were to re-sign DeMar DeRozan, it would be the worst thing that could happen in their off season. I was just, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't agree that it'd be the worst thing, but I'd also don't agree that him leaving would be the worst thing. Right. Um, They would, they, they would, I think that having DeMar around can help the development of young players. I think that having a guy that you can go to in the clutch and, and DeMar, the, the playing game notwithstanding, was great in the clutch this year. Um, he, he at least showed the willingness to take the shot over and over again, made some, missed some. There, there's a place for that guy on a rebuilding team. But if he leaves, there's positives to that as well. I mean, it forces somebody else to step into that situation. Um, it allows you more opportunity to see 
a lot of guys in those situations. And you keep that cap space that you would spend on him and have it available for the other moves that could develop in the years to come. So that might be a cop-out answer to your question. But basically, my, my point is, I, I don't think they could screw that up either way, unless they just offer him like a max contract for a jillion dollars for the next 10 years, which they're not going to do. Tom, your thoughts? I hope he comes back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, like, it, it just comes down to whether he wants to, you know, stay with this growing team or, or go, go off and search for that title where he's not the go-to guy and the, you know, the pressure's off him and he can score what he scores and be a great contributor and get a ring. Yeah. Uh, and who could blame him for that? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> Poor guy runs in against Memphis. Dylan Brooks playing out of his mind and uh, has done a great job, you know, at the start of this series against Utah as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder who's going to be the the spur that could step up, you know, Keldon, uh, Lonnie, Derek, you know. Yeah. Are they at that level where they can do what Brooks has done in the playoffs and just step up their game? Um, you know, maybe they're all, they're, they're all on the cusp of it. Who knows? Who knows? Indeed. Um, we are, this is the final Spurs insider podcast of this season. It is turning out to be the longest we covered much of what we intended to cover in this, in this, uh, off season look ahead and probably could have covered a lot more, but I think Tom, uh, is kind of ending us on the right note in that we really don't know what is next. Maybe there could be clutch players to come. Someone will emerge. There's no guarantees, but none of us have any guarantees. The best we can do is just to keep the positive outlook, to keep taking care of each other and keep keeping it real. 